I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com. Moving and shaking. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? We did not experience the earthquake here in Dallas. Or in Florida. <laughs> or in Florida. Just to let everyone know. Um, the Mavericks are undefeated. Hey! This, I mean, this could be a preview of what this upcoming season is going to be undefeated regular season coming up. But got to see some Mavericks basketball in action. Uh, cool seeing the some of the coaching staff and Rick Carlisle and everybody there. Jalen Brunson, uh, I think, was there. And, um, yeah, it's cool seeing, seeing some Mavs basketball. I feel like it's been forever, but it's really not been that long. It's been probably like what eighty pods since the Mavs <laughs> played basketball. Oh dear God, a lot of pods. <laughs> it's been a lot since of then. pods since then. <laughs> so, uh, all right, today on the podcast we will talk about summer league. We'll talk about that win. Um, there's so many different random things. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Kristaps Porzingis was talk was a big topic on Woj is pot Woj is pot Woj's podcast. Yeah, the, the Woj, Woj pod. The Woj pod. It's just a weird way to say it. Woj's podcast. Um, and Ramona Shelburne was on there. They they talked about him a lot. Woj was literally in the van with Porzingis when he was going to the draft <laughs> before he was drafted. So like he was there from the beginning. So he knows the situation very well. Obviously, Woj knows every situation well. So we'll talk about that. There's a lot of interesting stuff in there. We'll also talk about some of the moves that were made today outside of the Mavericks. The Memphis Grizzlies made some moves, and the Mavericks are connected to some of those with DeLon Wright, as well as we'll talk about the Iguodala situation. So we'll talk about those things, uh, and yeah, and then the summer league game. So that's what we'll talk about. Um, but before we do that, what do you think about Zion? Yeah, oh Zion, man, when he was doing his warm up dunks, it was crazy. I think you just we talked about him when we were doing uh, our draft profile on him before the lottery, when we didn't know if Dallas would land a top four pick or not. <laughs> uh, we, we talked tried. a lot. Of, we, we talked a lot about him, but. He's just he's he's going to be a little bit different. We we talked about he's one of the most unique prospects we've ever had come into the league, but and he is amazing. But he's while he's still amazing and still unique, he's still not Anthony Davis or LeBron type of prospect. Like those guys can step in day one and put up thirty something a game. You know, like I mean that's crazy. But Zion's going to take a little bit of time because he doesn't have that jump shot right now. He doesn't have the pull up jump shot. He's just uh, gonna just bully you with his crazy athleticism and you saw some plays of that but um yeah it was exciting i mean obviously the play with kevin knox was amazing <laughs> just ripping his soul out of his body and dunking it but uh man i i was really impressed with with mitchell robinson i really i really liked what uh, what he was showing in that game oh a second year player that has already played in summer league played well huh surprising <laughs> He's good. Why can't you? Uh, no, you he like is. Him? He is good. It's just. It's funny that, like, especially in the Mavs game, like when Cameron Payne was scoring, people were like, "Oh my gosh, look at Cameron Payne score!" Like, yeah, he's been in the NBA for like four years. 
Yes, like a decade. So he should be please. scoring in the summer league. <laughs> Mitchell Robinson goes and blocks shots and, and grabs uh, oops. You're like, yes, he played in the NBA. He started. <laughs> Jared yeah. Allen. Jared I'll, Allen. But, but the, you the, have to say some game. some NBA players come back to summer league and they don't they don't really stand out or they don't play that well sometimes. And Mitch Robinson clearly stood out that. You know, it was pretty much Zion versus the package that New Orleans could have gotten for AD, right? <laughs> like David Griffin sitting yeah. there front row, like, oh, this could have been what I was getting back <laughs> on this court right now. Could Robinson, Knox, Barrett. Uh, you know, obviously Dennis is not in there, but give him Trier too. Give him Trier and you know whoever else you want. Shouldn't Dennis be playing in this game? Anyway, stop. <laughs> Just saying. Um, yeah, I have some initial thoughts about Zion. Uh, his shot is maybe a little worse than we thought. Uh, creating his own shot is not going to be something that he's strong in for years, probably. Yeah, it's going to take time for him. That That's why when the comps came out and some pay, some people just don't like him, when Larry Johnson or you know Blake Griffin and some of these, you know, uh, Draymond Green defensively, when some of these things, you know, some people are like, oh my gosh, you're like underselling him. He's more like LeBron. No, he's got to get a pull-up jump shot before you put him on the LeBron, AD, Kevin Durant type of instant impact player. Yeah. He's just not that yet. He's still amazing and remarkable and it's going to be insane but you can have you can believe both of those sentences at the same time yeah uh with rj i'm a little worried because there's so many players that were playing last night that are going to be playing regularly for the knicks mm-hmm. rj might get shoved in the corner a little bit we really wanted this season to be you know like okay rj get all your opportunities and he got all his opportunities in summer league but you can see it like if Alonzo Trier is doing his thing, you know, and they have they have Dennis that does that, and Alonzo Trier that does that, and they're gonna have other guys. Julius Randall. Julius Randall's absolutely <laughs> gonna do that. He's a guy that creates and he can dribble. Like that's one of his strongest things is his dribbling, you know, moves and things like that. Um, for a big guy, he might get just shoved in the corner a little bit because I think there's a little passiveness in that. And maybe it's just first game summer league. Obviously, we're overreacting to everything, but uh, I think that with the teammates that he has. I'm a little worried about that. Well, I'm just curious on how Fizdale does the rotation with all of the vets they just signed and then all their young guys that they still have to develop and play the right way. That team's just, it's super, super odd. It is very odd. Okay. Let's talk about the Memphis thing quick. So Memphis traded Dwight or Memphis traded for Dwight Howard, which is weird. They traded CJ miles for him. Uh, I guess that's value for Dwight Howard, but they waived him. Um, Fred Katz, the <laughs> Wizards reporter, was like talking about CJ Miles like he was value, like the like the Wizards did something really great with this trade. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think you could pretty much get anything back for Dwight Howard at this point and say it's value. <laughs> uh, so now he's out there. I mean, him Even and campaign, <laughs> him and Cousins and Mello are all out there. And five years ago, that'd just be a crazy thing to say. Right, that that's what they, Washington do, should do. They should sign bring them all back. and Mello. They finally get to Marcus Cousins and John Wall. That was like Bill Simmons' thing for years and years and years. <laughs> they roll out a lineup of like John Wall, Boogie, Mello. Can they get Daniel Orton and Eric Bledsoe? <laughs> who's the oh Who's the fifth guy on that team? I can't remember. I'll look it up. Uh, to get that Kentucky squad back together, was it Terrence Daniel Jones? Was, no, that was Davis's team. That was after. 
Um, but yeah, the Phoenix, the Phoenix deal, they trade for Dwight Howard, which was super weird. I actually wasn't around my phone and I was watching the summer league and they're like, we got a, a report, a trade. And I'm like, Oh, this is cool. You know, the last time that I've heard a trade that I didn't see on my phone actually pop up on the TV and I get to be like surprised about it. <laughs> and the dude's like Dwight Howard. 2004. <laughs> Like Dwight Howard is in my heart sank. I'm like, don't say it. (laughs) It's been traded to Memphis. I'm like, oh, thank God. The other two starters in that Kentucky team were Patrick Patterson. He's available, right? Oh yeah, he he can be got. And Darius Miller, who just got signed to the Pelicans, so I I bet he can be got too. Just bring that team back. (laughs) Who would ever thought Darius Miller would be the most coveted of? Is that the same Darius Miller? I'm I'm concerned that that's not the same. No, it is. No, it is. Yeah, it's the same one. Anyway, yeah, but uh, so anyway, champion Darius Miller put some respect on it. Memphis uh, swaps out CJ Miles for Dwight Howard, uh, saving them some uh, some money because of the contracts, and it looks like well, as Sean says that they're gonna they're gonna waive Dwight Howard, putting him on the market. Uh, but it does open up a little bit of money, uh, more money for Memphis. And I think you just mentioned the Avery Bradley trade or the Avery Bradley. I didn't mention that. No. Uh, yeah, they they cut Avery Bradley, so that money is there's a little bit more. His his contract was not fully guaranteed, which it's very weird. The more I look through some of these cap sheets, the more non guaranteed contracts there are. And one of the things when you talk about like NFL versus NBA, you're like, well, NBA they have all these guaranteed contracts. There's a lot of players in the league right now with non guaranteed contracts, or they have team options, or a lot of stuff like that. So. Yeah. It's interesting to see some players get so much leverage and that other players get taken out of that leverage by getting overpaid in year one, which is like what all the Knicks guys got. All the Knicks guys that got, that signed the other day, they got these huge deals in, in for year one, but then either the second or third year for Julius Randle are non-guaranteed or like team options, which is crazy. And then, then like Al Horford's deals like non-guaranteed in the last year. And like there's all these random players that have these non-guaranteed deals. Uh, Lou yeah. Williams' contract is non-guaranteed for next year. I mean, it's just it's very interesting to me. And, and when we talk about you know player empowerment, now these these contracts are now slowly starting to become less player friendly. I think. Yeah, and it gets weird. It gets kind of confusing for some people sometimes to uh, yes. listen. You, like, what's yeah, the, what's and, the difference between a team option and non-guaranteed? And you know, a lot of these things, to, like the Avery Bradley thing or the George Hill thing, like the George Hill thing. And the difference is a lot of these non-guarantees is there is a portion of it that is guaranteed. So like George Hill in Milwaukee, he was due like $18 million, but if they cut him, they're only, they're only going to pay him like $3 million. So, you know, the difference in that money, same thing just happened with like Avery Bradley and the money he was due. Uh, but they're just due a portion of that. The team option is like the full thing and they have to, it's still very confusing, but a lot of times it's these portion of money. The Avery Bradley thing was assumed that it was going to happen, uh, that his you know money was going to be uh, cut, his non-guaranteed money, and that they'll pay him his couple million like you know he's supposed to get paid. But now Avery Bradley's going to hit the market, and Memphis now is you know working with more money in an off season that I'm super impressed with what Memphis is doing right now. Yeah, uh, I mean this they're they evaluated their situation that hey we're super young we're not going to contend right now probably even next year so what's the best way for us to use our cap space let's we're pay gonna go Jonas Valanciunas <laughs> we're going to go out here and take <laughs> on these contracts and get assets for it 
and and they're going to be even more players too when it comes to I mean they still have expirings and Solomon Hill, Miles Plumley, and these guys and and like I think David Aldridge said tonight, they're not done and they have a little bit of cap space. They have to decide what they're going to do with Andre Iguodala, what they're going to do with DeLon Wright that we'll talk about just right you know, in a bit. And that's they're not finished with what they're doing this offseason. And so I've been really impressed with them. Yeah, they're doing they're doing a lot of the right things. Um, a lot of the right things, a lot of good things. So uh, but this does affect the DeLon Wright situation. Uh, the Grizzlies, they were in it. They were in a situation where they're going to be like in the tax if they gave DeLon Wright a certain deal. And now they're just not even anywhere close to that. Now they actually have cap space now. Um, and so. They can give DeLon Wright, basically, they can match anything and not go into the tax. So, uh, which a lot of people just assumed, but that was also a thing that low-key could have happened. Like, the, the Mavs could have out outbid the Grizzlies, and they're like, well, we don't want to pay the tax. <laughs> but now that's the non-issue, pretty much. Yeah, and, you know, Tim McMahon, you know, he covers Dallas. Uh, he does a lot of Rocket stuff, Memphis stuff, Utah, Utah. stuff. And, you know, he, he's in those circles a lot for ESPN. And as soon as the report came out from, like, Brad and them that, hey, Dallas is interested in DeLon Wright, putting a restricted offer down the table for him, I mean, it was very quick from McMahon, hey, uh, Memphis is putting out there that they're pretty much going to match anything. Now that they've cleared up the money, and which they should because they're building this team around Ja Morant and Jackson and those young guys, uh, DeLon Wright's a good complimentary piece to them. So, now that they're being pretty clear that they have the money, they want to bring him back, you have to ask yourself, is it even worth putting the, the offer on the table now if it's very, very clear? And if it's not clear, if you still don't think that means Dallas, you know, if Dallas does give him an offer, it might have to be an overpay. And at that point, do you want to overpay for DeLon Wright? I don't know. I don't even know what an overpay would be for that. I would be more interested into what Tim McMahon has also reported in the Andre Iguodala situation. Yeah, the Andre Iguodala situation is interesting. He's making seventeen million right now, uh, yeah. sixteen or seventeen. And uh, it, a lot of people thought that as soon as Memphis made that trade, they were going to just buy out Andre Iguodala. And now it seems like they want to try and trade him, um, which is a smart move. Which is a smart move because he probably does still have value. He's not like you know some of these other guys that get bought out. I mean, he's, he's not Kyle Korver, right? That's the other guy they have. Yeah. Um, and maybe they could even still trade Kyle Korver, but Andre Iguodala they could absolutely still trade. Um, so that's a situation now that the Mavs could get into. Is that something you'd be interested in? 100%. Yes. Uh, either way, Danny Green or no, or no Danny Green. Uh, it's actually kind of crazy if you think about it from Memphis that they got a first round pick from Golden State to take on Andre Iguodala. Yeah. And now that they could, now they might be able to flip Andre Iguodala and get assets for, you know, it's weird in, in that case. And, uh, and then you have to ask yourself, you know, why wouldn't that other team take on Iguodala if that was the case before? And Golden State didn't want to take back money, and it was, seemed like it was so quick of a thing, and other teams might have been waiting. But now you get a team like Dallas, who's been waiting on Danny Green. Let's say they miss out on Danny Green, and they're like, man, we have to use our space somehow. And you call up Memphis and say, hey, we'll give you Courtney Lee in a second-round pick for it. And at that point, they're at least flipping Andre Iguodala their – you know, saving five million more in cap by the you know Lee and Iguodala contract, they're getting another second round pick. Will it cost two second round picks with Courtney Lee? I don't know. Uh, and if you're Dallas, it I think that would be a great fit. I mean, I, you could still do that and get you know Danny Green if yeah, depending on what Danny Green's gonna gonna make with. Well, if you have twenty two and you you're 
you're only losing out on five million because of the Igudala Courtney Lee swap. Yeah. Right. Then you're at you're at what seventeen? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can get Danny Green for seventeen. Yeah. So once that. once again, if uh, if you look at if you did that, uh, let's say yeah, let's say you did get Danny Green for like three years, forty five million, fifteen a year. And then you go out and and say we'll give you Courtney Lee in two seconds for Andre Iguodala. If you walk away over the summer with Seth Curry, Iguodala, Danny Green, and Boban, that's a good summer. <laughs> like it's it's still crazy that a lot of fans are really really frustrated right now, and rightfully so. We get it, but <laughs> there's still a pathway in which it it, sh- it should you know it could be. Um, uh, viewed as a good summer too. So I think right now all of our opinions about the summer should still just be held in place until this thing, these things play out. Then we can form more definitive opinions on things. Don't tweet screenshots of <laughs> not even a screenshot, just a, a picture of a word document on a monitor to Mark Cuban. <laughs> That's all I have to say. All right. I thought take- you were going to say screenshots, screenshot tweets, because those are my, my, my pet peeves of Twitter right now. Oh yeah. Also people have been doing this where they screenshot a tweet and then they quote, then they, then they tweet it as if they're quote tweeting it, but they're not because it's just a picture. And so the person that you're quote tweeting, doesn't see it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not a very, not a very, uh, bold move. Cotton. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's discuss this, uh, Christoph Porzingis thing. And then we'll discuss the, uh, Mavs summer league. All right, Isaac, so Woj and Ramona had a great conversation on the Woj pod. It's about at the 25, 26-minute mark in that podcast. If you want to listen to the whole thing, I recommend it. Um, but they talked a lot about what Chris Porzingis has kind of been going through. And here's just a couple of quotes from it. Um, this is Woj. Kristaps is accountable for some of the behavior that's gone on. It's nobody's fault but his own. But he was a player who wanted to be in the gym and wanted a professional environment. There are times during the Phil Jackson regime where he'd be there early in the morning ready to work out, and I was told his belongings wouldn't be there. There, was all, there wasn't always someone there to work with him, or the training staff wouldn't be there to tape him up. There were instances where just the basic professionalism of it during Phil's tenure, and that all should have changed. The sides never got connected, and the fact that they had to trade a player of his caliber, I don't care if you get 10 draft picks for him. You're not drafting another player of his talent. The idea that Chris Hopsworth is just would be like, all right, I'm going to go to the gym, the practice facility, work out, and that there wouldn't be somebody there to like help him. He's your star player. Like you, you do everything for this guy and that they wouldn't have somebody there is just, is insane to me. Yeah. I, I mean, especially in New York, especially with uh, the magnitude of that organization, how I much mean, money they the, make. It's not like they can't yes. afford it. Right. This is, and the, you know, this is what one, you know, most players have keys to facilities and all that stuff, which you could have, but these are what the player interns are for. I mean, the, the Mavericks have, I mean, I can't tell you how many player interns they have. <laughs> Probably what? 15. Any video uh, you ever see of uh, Mavs practice, there's a bunch of dudes in blue polos. That's those guys. Yeah, they're rebounding, they're, they're rebounding. All over the uh, place. You know, before games, yes. they're rebounding, passing, warming up with players on the court and stuff. And a lot of them are great guys. A lot of them have college, you know, previous college experience playing basketball. Coaching. And, yeah, coaching. They're trying to get into the league and front office stuff and uh, just good guys. This is their thing. Like, they go to they go to the gyms early in the morning, late at night when players want to go up there. And not just – what what trips me out about the Porzingis thing is – 
He's the star. Like this, they go up like this. They go up there for the the bottom of the roster type players that want to. Like if you're name on the one, roster, name a player. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's like most of the Knicks roster. No, <laughs> but no, like they go up, you know, and that's their thing. Like they go up there and rebound and spend the time with them and stuff. And the fact that poor, they they didn't have anybody up there for their star, their young star, and not just their star, like. It is a star that they're grooming to. They want. They would want to be there long term. And I mean, it, it would be like that happening with like Giannis and stuff right now. I mean, yeah. it's just unbelievable to think about because no matter how they thought about that situation, Porzingis was still trekking down a path to where he was going to be a free agent at some point. You want to always impress your young stars. Right now, Dallas. These years, these first formative years of Dallas with Luca, they want to impress Luca. They want to, you know, show him what you know treating a superstar looks like. They want him to be happy here and stuff. You don't do that bullcrap stuff with your young upcoming superstar and put a sour taste in the mouth. And I mean, yeah, now he gets to come to a real organization. Hey. Uh, Woj continues and said, and that has set them so far back. They finally had one player they could build around. I know it was a serious injury, but he probably could have come back last season. He was going full speed. He's a remarkable talent, and the fact that they just gave him away, now he wanted out in the end, but it didn't have to get to where it was. He was such a perfect example of an earnest guy who became so cynical. That Nick organization, starting with Dolan, you could see the change in him. All this positive energy he brought, that place beats people down and brings out the worst in people. I thought this was very interesting, and he mentions this a lot, where... He talked about how he was there before he was drafted, that Woj was with Porzingis before he was drafted, and how he was just almost like this bright-eyed, excited. He mentioned that when they were in New York, it was the first time he'd ever been in New York, and he stuck his head out the window to look up at the the buildings. You have this guy that's like bright-eyed, and the, the one thing he said in his draft interview that he was excited about was getting a key to the gym to be able to go work out and do stuff whenever he wanted to because you know over overseas he wasn't able to do that with his club, so... They, he was very excited about that. He just wanted to go work. And, uh, and man, the Knicks organization, the way he said it, beats people down. I mean, this is Wode. This is a guy that knows. This is not just me talking out of my ass. Like This is somebody who knows the situation so well and is yeah. so plugged into everything. And I think that, man, we're going to get a different Christoph Porzingis, I think, than we've ever seen. Because the Mavs are a real organization. They know how to treat star players like this. They know how to treat big man shooter star players from a basketball perspective. Um, yeah. They have dealt, they have dealt in a way with stars that are kind of um, you know, like disgruntled a little bit. Uh, and now they're man. Now they're taking this guy and he's going to come around the positive energy of Dirk first. Like Dirk's, he might be around a little bit, but he was around to be, you know, at the end of that season to see, to see yeah. how Dirk carries himself. I mean that, I mean the most, the best player he ever was around was Mello. <laughs> you know, the Porzingis was ever around was Mello. And now he's going to be around Luca, who is just beaming with this just love of playing basketball and being on the court and just this positive energy. And so you talk about how the Knicks, you know, that place beats people down and brings out the worst in people. I think that it could go, it could swing the complete opposite way. And we're going to see the best of Porzingis. 100%. I mean, what, look at what, I mean, Porzingis has now that's better than what he's ever had. I mean, you talked about Luca compared to Melo. You think you think it's going to be more fun to play with Luca than Melo? Absolutely. Rick Carlisle, best coach he's ever had, right? Yeah. I mean, well, 
He was with Phil Jackson, but that doesn't really count. So okay, <laughs> I just yeah. wanted to say that. <laughs> um, just the organization, like you said. I mean, the the fact that Dallas respect respected his plan and his camp's plan from day one that they traded him and said, this is your plan. Like they, they came in with their plan for recovery and the timeline and setting out this year and everything. He's as motivated as ever. You have to, I mean, know that. And now more than ever, he wants to show everybody who he is and who he is as a player. And then the lastly is he's going to be in the best shape of his life. I mean, coming off 20 months and the training and the work he's put in. Now, he's going to be rusty a little bit at the beginning, but it doesn't mean he's completely out of shape. Yeah. But, I mean, just everything. He's going to be prepared. Literally everything is there. You just have to, you know, hope that. And and what what they have done with Dallas is, you know, in this recovery. And I think that what played into him not suiting up towards the end of the season. You know, Rick even mentioned on the broadcast today, he practiced for a good last month of yeah. the season with them. And but they wanted to fine tune the 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 little details of his recovery of everything from how you run to how, all this different stuff of how can they help prevent this stuff moving forward and as somebody his size and yeah i mean we are going to see yeah you can't under, understate um the level that he, he could be at and i mean like i said obviously there's going to be rust and something there but um man you have to, the sky's the limit for the duo. I think when you look at hindsight too, of the deal of the trade, if you're looking at it from, from the Knicks perspective, they're heading down a dangerous path with what this trade turned out to be, because there are three aspects. Tell, of tell the, me more Isaac Harris. <laughs> well, there, there were, there were three aspects of the return in which they got from Porzingis. It was the draft picks, the first round picks from, from the Mavs. It was the salary cap relief and shedding Tim Hardaway and Courtney Lee and it was the you know it was the young piece in Dennis Smith Jr. Well, okay, let's just go in reverse order at this point. They just signed Alfred Payton in which he did an interview the other day saying that like he's you know, he's fully expecting to be the starting point guard. They just signed Alfred Payton to be the starting point guard over Dennis Smith Jr., okay? So, yeah. If Dennis doesn't turn out for them, then that's even more scary. Two, you signed, you gave away Tim Hardaway and, and Courtney Lee in the deal because you wanted the cap space. Yeah, you just signed just all of those off. guys in cap space. So therefore, okay, cool. You didn't get the stars. You're literally clinging on to the hope that one of these two draft picks that you're getting down the road in from Dallas is going to turn into something really good. Because if it if it doesn't, then it is a complete disaster. There, I mean. If if Dennis is it doesn't turn into something really good for them, and these draft picks doesn't, you know, if Porzingis comes out and kills it, and these draft picks are in the late twenties, I mean, it's just a travesty at that point. I mean, you literally gave away this superstar player for nothing. You didn't get a. I mean, you have to. I mean, in hindsight, you have to look at it and say, man, they could have gotten much better deal than that. You know, we <laughs> like, were surprised the, about that on the day it happened. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, there had to be better deals out there if they really canvassed the league and gave it, you know, a decent amount of time. There had to be, you know, teams out there willing to give a a bona fide cornerstone type of young player. And Dennis was more of a question mark at that point, and still is a question mark, you know, right now for them. And yeah, it's just 
still very, very confident as a Mavs fan that, you know, there were a lot of people that's trying to take up for that trade at the, you know, obviously if they got Durant and Kyrie, it would have been completely different. But now that they didn't use that cat space for stars, man, it's, it's a pretty rough look for them. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, One thing Carlisle said on the broadcast was he really worked with Porzingis on his balance. Uh, The training staff has been working with him because if you're seven foot three, Carlisle said he might even be taller than that. Now, Mm. not being around him that balance is such a big thing. And that's one thing that they've really worked on with him is, is balance. I guess that the balance is probably going to be the new landing mechanics. I feel like, yes, <laughs> it's going to be the new thing we focus on. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's take another break. And when we come back, let's discuss summer league and, uh, and what we saw from summer league MVP soon to be Antonius Cleveland. Yeah. All right, Isaac. So, the Mavericks do. They hang on and win their summer league game. Very exciting. Uh, I did not think they were going to win this game, just to be honest, because you're going up against a Nets team with Jarrett Allen, who everyone on Twitter was asking, why is Jarrett Allen in this game? Why is Jarrett Allen in this game? Because he was so good, and he's just a he's just a really good player. I mean, he started for a playoff team. Why are you in summer Probably league? Probably the best player in summer league, right? Yes. Yeah. Like returning player? Best yeah, best returning player. Has to be. Yeah. Uh and Kuruks too started down the stretch for him and was even in even started at the beginning of the playoffs for, for the Nets. And then they have John and Musa, uh, and Theo Pinson, who's a player coming back too. So they these players that come back the second year, they're always way better because they understand what summer league is. And yeah. uh man, they they came out like <laughs> they came out pretty hard too, and I was I was a little nervous about the Mavs. Mavs end up coming back, and the Mavs just have these guys that are just gritty. I mean, this the team, this summer league team, they have these gritty guys that just uh, that go after the ball, that they they defend well, they they're really active. A bunch of dudes that are tryhard, sweaties, I like to call them. Um, Roby is a sweaty. Uh, Josh yeah. Reeves is sweaty, like <laughs> that is what he he is. He just is that. Um, and Kostis like is a little bit like that too. And Antonio's Cleveland for sure. He was going after it. Now, this team just kind of fought back, and they, they, they gritted their way to this win. And, uh, man, it was, it was pretty impressive, in my opinion. This is one of my favorite things about watching Summer League is they're all in kind of the same spot, you know. I mean, with the exception of Zion, Jared Allen, some of these guys. Yeah. Like, they're all fighting to show that they want to be um, – that they belong in the league. And I love the camaraderie of these teams. They, when they go on a run, they're so hyped. There's so much energy. They're hollering. Uh, they're just – they're trying so much. This is the most we've – you watch summer league and you're like, holy crap, this is what effort looks like on a, on a rebound <laughs> <laughs> because uh, they're, everybody's going for the board and showing the hustle and everything. And that's, and Dallas really, really focuses uh, on that with their training you know, staff and that little mini camp. They just had a mini camp for a few days before they, you know, went off to, um, went off to Vegas with, you know, uh, Coach Wayner and and uh, Shed and you know they, those guys running summer league and stuff. You know last year it was uh, it was mostly, but now Wayner's running the show and Shed and those guys uh, really uh, instilled this you know, bulldog type of mentality for their team. And I love the energy. The energy is so infectious. But yeah, they started um, you know they started making it and campaign in the backcourt. And uh, <laughs> with Cle- Cleveland at that wing spot, and then they started Roby and Kosas together. And Roby and Kosas, some I- I'm really watching the both of the- both of them. And if we just focus on Roby first, man, he looked his age. <laughs> 
Yeah. There's definitely 17? times where <laughs> yeah, seventeen. <laughs> uh, he he was uh, he did look super young in his first you know first game. He looked kind of nervous. Uh, he had a couple just you know bad decisions, just kind of out of control. But he settled down a little bit. He had some ni- he had a nice move in the paint, a turnaround jumper, had a good block. He showed energy and like yeah, it, he's gonna it's gonna take time for him. Now, I I wonder long term. This is what I, I think about though. Is he a two-way player or is he like a, a an actual roster spot? And that's what I'm. I wonder if he has that to prove this summer league, uh, because even comparing him to like Costas, Costas, uh, you know, Costas hit a three, three, three tonight, which was solid. Um, he had so he took it right at Jared Allen a few times and playing the center spot and stuff. So he's not as fluid as Giannis, but um, you definitely want Dallas to keep him keep him around. Because they missed out on Terry Harris, so you gotta you gotta keep the other brother. And Jaleel Cousins is gone, so you gotta keep another brother. Yeah, Costas is three, and his his one take on Jared Allen was impressive. He did not play very much though. No, no, yeah, he only had like fourteen minutes, and you have no idea what that means. Sometimes you wonder if it's like Zion, where he's dealing with an injury, and we just don't hear about it as much because he's not as you know famous as Zion. Or you wonder if they looked at that Shane Whittington guy who's hitting three, the big who's hitting threes, and they're like, this guy can help us win the game more than Kosas can because Kosas is more of a development player. You just never know. I, I just don't know. Uh, and you don't even know if they would tell you the real reason if you asked them in a scrum, right? <laughs> like, yeah. If you went up to uh, coach and you were like, why did Kosas not play as much? Well, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I believe him. Just rotating the guys out, you know? But man, Isaiah Roby match up, though match, matchups, <laughs> Nerlens matchups. Isaiah Roby, man, I just wrote athlete and active. He he just yeah. he's very fluid. He gets around all over the place. Uh, he can he can switch everything. I mean that is that is one thing he can definitely do. Uh, and can handle the ball. You know, not all six nine guys like him. Yeah, you know, fours like that can really handle the ball. He's really comfortable with that. Are we sure he's six nine? <laughs> He did not look six nine out there. Just just in in observing from from a TV perspective, he looked. You thought like, he looked shorter? Yes. Hmm. I thought he looked closer to Costas' height. Maybe he just plays anyway. hunched over, but he just did not look as tall to me. Anyway, MVP of the night, man, it was the guy that we've we've tried to hype up over the past few days. Ever <laughs> since the ever since the roster campaign, is, uh, shut up. Ever since the roster came out, and that's Antonius Cleveland, man. I I want him to get a training camp invite. Yes, um, he deserves that. Uh, the Mavs love him. He was super active, uh, super athletic. He doesn't he doesn't look like he lost a step either after that foot injury. And I forgot, yeah, I forgot that, about that. I forgot that he played with the Warriors last year and in summer league too, and had a had a good summer league with them. But he had a missed dunk tonight that was nasty. If he threw it down, I mean, it was he took off way out there. But uh, he's just the type of wing that you know, you want on an NBA team. And yeah, twenty two points, seven of twelve from the field, uh, only one three, but super active defensively too. Yeah, I, I want him in training camp this fall pretty bad. Yeah, we uh, really like what we saw from Antonio's Cleveland. Uh, what do you think about Daryl Macon in this game? I thought he's solid. I mean, really, I think him, him, and campaign on a serious note. I'm not, res- I'm not responding to any tweets about campaign. I got tweets no. about campaign. I got a text about campaign. <laughs> I got an Instagram thing about the campaign. Yes. And I, I'm like, <laughs> get off of me with campaign. I, but 
the thing of why I think campaigns on this roster is you got to have a, a vet point guard that who can run the system and he keeps everybody calm. He does his thing. And I thought Macon looked just as good. Like I thought he held his ground just as much as Payne did as far as just keeping everybody calm, keeping the system flowing. They both fell down uh, the same number of times. Yeah, I don't know what was going Campaign on. Campaign fell like, down so many times. Whether it was a charge or the first turnover he had, he fell down. He was falling all over the place. <laughs> I was just going to tweet out like negative things, I'm like "nice fall, Cam," or like "bad foul." But uh, I didn't. I'm just I'm just ignoring all the tweets coming my way. Good way to um, way to have some self restraint. <laughs> but uh, no, Daryl Macon. Yeah, I mean he had 16 points to five from three, but. Uh, he was solid. Uh, I think the competition on that, I think Brad's talked about it some too. You know, Josh Reeves is on that exhibit 10 and yeah. you know, you can only have two, two way spots. So, you know, whereas Costa is playing to that, if Roby gets a regular spot, then it doesn't matter. Um, but if Josh Reeves wants to be turned into a two way, he has to take either Macon or Costa's spot. And, um, and the two way yeah. spots, by the way, if you're new to the NBA or if you're new to, you know, the Mavericks, uh, two way spots were, were introduced two years ago, three years ago now. And yeah, they yeah. are uh, Larry Kuhn, the, the guru of the CBA calls them the Yogi Ferrell spots because the Nets had Yogi Ferrell at the time and they were going to put him in the G league, but they really wanted to keep him, but they didn't have another roster spot for him. And the Mavs came in and got him and signed him away. And he ended up starting the next game for them uh, because they were super low on point guards. And so this two way spot came into it. Came into effect where it's a G League type player that's sort of in between, and they get to play a certain number of days or a certain number of games with the NBA team. So they're able to play what forty five games with yeah. the with the the NBA team, and then the rest of the, or be with them for like forty five days. Yeah, it doesn't include travel days. It used to include that. Now it doesn't. So they're able to practice, play, and do all that, uh, and also, and then the rest of the time they're with the. Um, the G League team and other teams can't come in and sign those players. Anybody on a G League team, somebody can come in and sign. If somebody wanted to come in and sign like uh, Keith Hornsby, right, who's like been on the G League team for a couple of years, they could just come in and sign him. The Mavs can't do anything about it. But if you're on a two way spot like Costas and Macon have been on, then you can't sign those guys away. So there's only two of those, like Isaac said. So now the Mavs had to make a decision: do they keep these two guys that were on two way spots last year in Costas and Macon, or do you replace one of those with? You know, I don't know, Isaiah Roby maybe, or do you replace it with Josh Reeves? Like, what do you do with these guys? Yeah, it really helps when it comes to, like, injuries to the regular yes. roster because what they were running into is you'd have teams before the two-way spots that they had a couple injuries, they needed to fill the roster, so they would call up these guys to, like, 10-day contracts, and let's just use Yogi. And, but you can only sign so many 10 day contracts, you know, after your second one or after your third one, you have to like, you have to be a full time. You have to be on the roster. A single player can only sign a certain number of 10 day contracts in a row. Not teams can sign yeah. a certain number of 10 day contracts. Yeah. Yeah. So, so teams are running into that problem of like, okay, well we need these guys for 10 days and I have, there's 20 days. And then they'd have to make a choice. Do, it, do we just leave them out free agency or do we bring in a new guy to, you know, because we don't have a roster spot for him. So then, you know, somebody like the Nets, like, oh, we just got to let Yogi go because we don't have a roster spot. Now these two-way things come in to where Dallas has Kostas and Macon. And, in a, you know, we didn't have a ton of injuries last year. But when, when injuries happen, well, we had a couple when, like, J.J. went down. Then all of a sudden, Macon's being brought up for the Legends, and he's your point guard depth. And, he, you know, he's with the team. You know, so, like, it gives you that, you know, while you can still develop – but he can also help you know, when injuries happen and stuff too. So I thought Josh Reeves was um, 
his defense is great. His versatility on defensive end, it's super, super impressive. Offensively, he's definitely got some work uh, to work to do. Yeah, though. he had a very rough first half, and I think first three quarters, and he he turned it on. He had a couple of, of really good steals where the other team's just like, "What do I do? <laughs> How do I dribble?" Yeah. Uh, and that that's and, good stuff to see, especially when that's your one thing. You want to see that to be you know really strong in summer league. One thing about summer league, as you're watching this, maybe this is your first time watching summer league. If you see somebody that has a strength that's obvious when you're watching Summer League, that is something that could translate to the NBA. If you have if you see somebody that has a weakness in Summer League, it is even more pronounced in the NBA and could just be completely detrimental. So, uh, And just because somebody plays well doesn't mean they'll be great in the NBA, but if someone does play bad in, in Summer League, that does not mean good things for them at all. Yeah, I mean, there were some jokes going on a few days ago when Damian Jones, who's been on the Warriors bench for a long time, this big, this you know, younger big guy, and you know, he had played in a couple summer league games. Is I guess it was either in the California Classic or the Salt Lake Salt Lake games, and then it was like after a couple of those games, they signed Willie Cauley Stein to the minimum, and it's like, oh well, I guess he sucked enough to where like, <laughs> yeah, this is ain't gonna work this year. We need you know, we'll take a flyer on Willie, but and just reminder with the two A spots. When you're breaking down the roster, there's 15 roster spots, 15 actual roster spots. Then you have the two two way guys, so that takes you to 17. For training camp, they bring 20 to training camp. So then you get three extra guys to, that you invite to training camp. That who knows? Sometimes they bring all you know. They invite three guys from their summer league squad. Sometimes it's three completely random guys. So it might be Antonius Cleveland and then two other random guys. You know, on top of that, so. And some and a lot of times they're all competing for one of those two way spots too. Like Josh Reeves could be invited to training camp and still be competing for one of those two way spots. So that's why when we break down the roster sometimes and we talk about the players on their contract right now, it's important to remember some of these guys because there's only so many spots you can bring not just to training camp, but you know, seventeen a full roster, but two of those are two ways and so it's just a reminder of what the roster breakdown is. We're obsessed with the roster breakdown. <laughs> Do you want to briefly mention what could go down tomorrow real quick? Might as well. The Mavericks play, well, Mavericks play by the way. They play tomorrow. Um, they are um, assessing the building <laughs> right now for the earthquake stuff. So apparently there's no damage according to the people that work at the Thomas & Mack Arena. Um, so if everything checks out with the engineers they brought in, then they should be able to play games tomorrow. I don't know if that's what you're getting to, but that is another thing to, to mention. That was not what I was going to <laughs> mention. Uh, My thing is if they're going to play the games or not, Isaac. <laughs> you go ahead and keep caring about Summer League. Now, uh, <laughs> we just talked about so, Summer League for like 25 minutes, so I don't want to hear it. Uh, so tomorrow, today, as you're listening to this, is July 6th. This is the day that players can put pen to paper on deals that have been agreed on over the past week and it's big for the Mavericks because obviously we're still Does that really matter though (laughs) it's not like any of these players that have ever you know backed out out of one of these deals come on (laughs) that's misery that's miserable (laughs) to think about that that. is a failure of an off season (laughs) Um, you couldn't convince the guy that you already convinced to come to your team (laughs) Yes. So, uh, so anyway, you'll start to see a lot of these things, uh, become official. Uh, the team, team employees can now start and could now then start talking about their players. You'll see teams start to announce acquisitions and all of this different stuff. 
for the Mavericks, we're obviously still waiting on Kawhi Leonard, therefore still waiting on Danny Green. And you want to believe that the Kawhi thing will happen today because (laughs) of the breakdown of the the Lakers stuff. And it's crazy. You can get on Twitter and find somebody talking about everything that's going to be on hold until the Kawhi thing drops. On the jump today, Amin Al-Hassan said that he interviewed uh, Kawhi's coach from San Diego State and said that if – if Uncle Dennis hadn't convinced Kawhi to go to San, that he should go to San Diego State, that was the best thing for him. He still might be trying to decide which college to go to <laughs> right now. And that at San Diego, I said this before, but at San Diego State, they didn't know he was actually really going to show up until the first day of classes. That's hilarious. So we have no idea how this is going to. I mean, everyone's saying, well, it has to be tomorrow because the AD trade has to go down. He has to make a decision. He doesn't have to do anything, right? Like, he can do the, and the Lakers could push back this trade and like Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Walker, Alex, or Nikhil Alexander Walker didn't play in the Pelicans game. They might not play, you know, again after that. I think they play again on Saturday. I think they play today. Yeah, well, I mean, the Lakers could could push it back with everybody's approval. Because I mean, technically teams yeah, can pull out of it. How many, it's not how just many the Lakers. To, well, the thing is though. For the Pelicans, they've made so many extra deals off of this. They re- they traded sure. number four again, right? They they did that. They've done other things. There's like six or seven teams affected by this trade right now. Yeah, and so one hundred percent. Who who in the chain would have to say no for it to not happen? Oh, gosh. Right, like who did they trade back with? Atlanta? Would Atlanta have to be like, no, we're not we're not <laughs> saying no to that? Would that matter with the number four pick? I have no idea. Then the Pelicans would have to they would be on the hook to try and make it happen. Because it because when it comes to all the cap stuff, the Lakers need to sign Kawhi first. Then they need to complete the Anthony Davis trade. So when Penn can yeah. go to paper tomorrow, you know, on July sixth, that's when everything's going to get iffy if Kawhi hasn't decided yet. Because they're going to want to still wait on Kawhi, but these all the other teams are going to want to be like, hey, we want our players now. We want this deal to go through right now, and it's going to get a uh, pretty sticky. That's why I think. I think you might see a Kawhi decision because I think that if they don't push it back and they go ahead and push it through, then Kawhi can still sign at the Lakers, but he's going to have to take, you know, take less money to do that. They're going to lose some flexibility and all that stuff. I don't think Kawhi is going to want to go through that if he's going to LA and all that. Um, so hopefully we get a resolution to the Danny green situation tomorrow. Uh, but on top of that, I mean, we'll see. I mean, if, We'll see what Dallas has as backup plans. I mean, by the time you listen to this, they could already have Danny Green, or they could have already missed out on Danny Green. Yeah, I mean, if Danny Green goes to the Lakers or he goes back to Toronto, I mean, there's a real possibility that Kawhi and Danny Green goes back to Toronto, and then then it comes down to if they go back to Toronto, then it comes down to a bidding war between the guys left with Dallas and the Lakers. And I, I hate to burst some of y'all's bubbles, but the Lakers are going to be more appealing to a lot of these <laughs> free agents that are left, no. like Marcus Morris and some of these guys. So, you know, I'm really curious on what Dallas does at that point. And if there's trades that they might entertain, will they try to call up and get, you know, Miami back on the phone with Dragic? I don't think Miami wants to trade Dragic at this point. They already made their their move with Whiteside. And if you're getting Jimmy Butler, you want to try to be good. And the best way for you to be good is if you're putting Dragic next to Jimmy Butler. So I don't know if they actually want to do that now. And, yeah, I'll just be – 
I'll be really curious on uh, the path that Dallas takes if they miss out on Danny Green. And so hopefully we get some type of uh, resolution to all of it tomorrow. But hopefully we'll we get a reason to do an emergency pod tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. We, we talked about doing an emergency pod if they land Danny Green and all that. And could they use the Courtney Lee contract at that point? Could they call around the league and say, hey, what are some other big contracts we could you know, entertain on trying to take on? And I don't know, but uh, we'll see, especially if DeLon Wright that we've talked about, if Memphis is going to match that, then, you know, then you're looking at the other guys that we've briefly talked about getting Chris Dunn or something like that. So we just got to wait to see what happens with Danny green. And then we'll, we'll go from there see what Dallas has planned next. If they do not get Danny green. There you go. That's what's coming up. Hopefully you hear from us tomorrow earlier. We still plan on doing a regular pod tomorrow, but we might also do an emergency one. I don't know if we'll count that. I don't know what we'll do tomorrow, but if things happen, you might hear from us twice tomorrow. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked on Maps. Peace out. Boom. Boom.